0: Hello, all my friends online with uh, Summit Church and YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all those different places. This is a Sunday evening uh, rebroadcast of a Sunday morning message, and it's called A Personal Walk with Jesus, Study of Romans, Chapter 14, through 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 2. Hey, would you share this with somebody? That's my handle right there, Pastor Wayne H. on the various platforms that you might be watching this on. And it's a just a, a powerful teaching on walking with God every single day. So how do you have a relationship with God? How do you how can you be a Christian? Well, I just had a second surgery this last week, and I have a little illustration here. You see this? This is this is something that's come in real handy in my house this last week, because I could not get up easily because I'm finding it hard to bend in the middle because of surgery. Well, I'd use this little stick to prop myself up and get out of uh, the out of bed or out of a chair, or to find it hard sometimes to um, to sit down. So I would stand in the living room and rest my hand on this walking stick. You know, walking with God is not something that you do alone. It's not something you do on your own. It's something you do with God. And God is not the crutch, but He is, the Bible says, His word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. God is our companion on the journey. He's our burden lifter. He's our, He's really our guide in the walk of life and on the spiritual journey. And so... And who is the the ultimate guide? Of course, it's the Holy Spirit and it's through the words and the teachings of Jesus Christ. And so that's what we're gonna be studying here tonight. And if you have a Bible, you can turn with me to Romans chapter 14, verse one. I'm gonna open with prayer and then we'll get into the teaching. Father in heaven, I pray that you would minister to everyone who is watching this feed here tonight and that you would help us, especially those of us who are believers, to learn to walk with you daily. To begin to do the things that disciples are supposed to do. To grow up into Christ and become the men and the women that you want us to be. Not to stay immature or babes in Christ, but that we would become bold warriors, disciples of yours. Um, that could carry the message of your kingdom to the lost, to the hurting, to the dying, to those who need you. To people who haven't heard the message before, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So bless this teaching, I pray in Jesus' name amen amen well we've been studying through the new testament this year and my byline for 2021 has been god's love to everyone in 2021 we got all the way up here to romans chapter 14 today In Romans chapter 14, Paul has been dealing with uh, the Christians in the church, both Jews and Gentiles alike, and there was lots of infighting about uh, holy days and dietary law and who's a real Christian and who's not a real Christian and who's really mature and who's not. And Paul gives the church in Rome this warning, a danger about criticism. Here's what he says in Romans chapter 14, verse 1. He says, Accept other believers who are weak in faith and don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. For instance, one person might believe that it's alright to eat anything, but another believer with a sensitive conscience might eat only vegetables. So they had a vegan-vegetarian <laughs> conflict in the early church. I know that would never happen in, the, uh, in, in today's culture. People would never argue with vegans or vegetarians. Of course we do. We argue over everything. We look at what happens on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all the social media. We're always biting. We're always criticizing. We're always telling people they ought to do something. And this was happening in the church. He says, so those those who feel free to eat anything must not look down on those who don't. And those who don't eat certain foods must not condemn those who do, for God has, has accepted them. Who are you to condemn someone else's servants? Their own master will judge whether they stand or fall, and with the Lord's help they will stand and receive His approval. In the same way, some, some think that one day is more holy than another day, while others think that every day is alike you should be fully convinced that whatever day, whichever day you choose is acceptable. Those who worship the Lord on a special day do it to honor Him. Those who eat any kind of food do so to honor the Lord since they give thanks to God before eating. And those who refuse to eat certain foods, they also want to please the Lord and give thanks to God. For we don't live to ourselves or die to ourselves. If we live, it's to honor the Lord. And if we die, it's to honor the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. So here's, here's step number one or point number one that I've written down. These are steps because we're talking about taking steps on this, on this road in Romans. We talked about the Romans Road a few weeks ago. We gave the address of Romans Road. I won't go into all that again. But as we're taking steps with Jesus on this spiritual journey, the first step that I want to talk about today is, is a bit of advice. That don't worry, uh, don't worry about others. In other words, you worry about you, and let them worry about them. It reminds me of my kindergarten teacher in Detroit, in, the, in this uh, Patton Gill Elementary School, just off a 12-mile road. I remember still to this day. My my kindergarten teacher's name was Mrs. Van Diemen and she would play acoustic guitar and sing. We'd have a singing circle in kindergarten. And I remember her saying this uh, phrase to me many times as a five-year-old, as a kindergartner. She would say, Wayne, you worry about Wayne and let Mark worry about Mark. (laughs) And I think we could say the same thing to adults these days. Facebook, you worry about Facebook, and I'll worry about me, right? I think a lot of what we needed to learn, we probably should go back to the lessons we learned in kindergarten. There was a really famous uh, self-help book written several years ago that everything I needed to know I learned in kindergarten was like, uh, if you hurt someone, say you're sorry. Uh, Before you take out another toy, put the first toy away. (laughs) If someone gives you a gift, say thank you. If, if, uh, If you want something, say please, right? But we seem to have forgotten the lessons of kindergarten and it's so sad. And of course, Paul is just pointing this out in this passage that Believers within the church were criticizing each other. He p- picks up here in uh, Romans fourteen ten. He says, "So why do you condemn others, other believers? Uh, wh- who, who who do you look down up on a, another believer? Remember, we all stand before the judgment seat of God. For the scriptures say." As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bend to me and every tongue will declare allegiance to God. Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. So let's stop condemning each other. Decide instead instead, to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. In other words, whatever you are convinced that you should do or should not do, uh, keep that between you and God. Don't try to force your beliefs on other people don't try to force your convictions on other people maybe god hasn't spoken to them about that particular area about maybe diet or exercise or drinking or not drinking or certain other behaviors you know what? that's between you and god and if, a, if a, a true believer who's trying to follow the lord has a different conviction let god deal with them about that you're not the holy spirit we have the word of god we have the spirit of god he he does a very good job of convicting us of sin all on his own verse 22 says you may believe that there's nothing wrong with what you're doing but keep it between yourself and god that's verse 22 of romans 14. so there's a real biblical precedent there for walking personally with God and living according to your personal convictions of what you feel God has told you to do, has asked you to do, has commanding you to do uh, your personal, what God has kind of revealed to you through the scriptures and what you see in the Bible. And of course, we don't just, we just don't believe and pick and choose the things about God we want to believe. We, we, we truly read the scriptures to find out what God's will is. And. There are a lot of people who I think will just write it off and go, well, I don't want to believe that, so I won't. Well, just because you don't want to believe it, does it mean that you don't believe that the scripture says it's wrong? Or that the scripture gives you a mandate for liberty in that area? It's something to consider, right? And so in chapter 15, Paul goes on to talk to this church about living to please others. Your spiritual life is not about making yourself happy. It's not about self-gratification. Even though it's a personal relationship, it's not about you. This relationship you have with God may be one-on-one with God, but God is number one and you're number two, right? You put Jesus first and you let him call the shots in your life. That's It's called lordship. And so Paul talks about that. And then after, after Jesus, then you put others before yourself. That if, if someone is weak, you don't want them to be tempted. You love them enough to not... Uh, be in a situation where they may fall or they may be weak or they not be able to handle what you are able to handle. And so Romans 15 verse 1, Paul goes on talking about living to please others. He says, we who are strong must be considerate of others who are sensitive about things like this. We must not just please ourselves. We should help others do what is right and build them up in the Lord. For even Christ didn't live to please himself. As the scriptures say, the insults of those who insult you, O God, have fallen on me. Step number two is acceptance. Acceptance is the answer. Here's what he goes on to say here in verse five. It says, may God who gives this patience and encouragement help you to live in complete harmony with each other, as is fitting for followers of Christ Jesus. Then all of you can join together with one voice, giving praise and glory to God, the, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you so that God will be given glory. Step two, acceptance is the answer to all my problems. It's actually the answer to all the relationship issues in the church as well. And many people know that I'm, I'm in another program that's also a very spiritual program. And they have a, a book talking about acceptance. It says, when I stopped living in the problem and began living in the answer, the problem went away. From that moment on, I have not had a single compulsion to this behavior. And acceptance is the answer to all my problems today. When I am disturbed, it is because I find some person, place or thing or situation, some fact of my life, unacceptable to me. I can find no serenity until I accept that person, place, thing or situation as being exactly the way it is supposed to be at this moment. Nothing, absolutely nothing happens in God's world by mistake. Until I could accept my problem, I could not stay sober. Unless I accept life completely on life's terms, I cannot be happy. I need to concentrate not so much on what needs to be changed in the world as what needs to be changed in me and in my attitudes. Boy, how good is that? See, your personal walk with Jesus is about letting Jesus work on you personally. It's not about you becoming the crusader to fix all the world's problems. It's about letting God come down and put his heart in you and giving you the desire to obey Christ, to obey his word, and to become more like him. So Paul gives his reason for writing uh, to the Roman church, and, and he, he's talking about, I want you to be full of goodness, I want you to be convinced of the truth. In verse 20 of, of Romans 15, he says, My ambition has always been to preach the good news where the name of Christ has never been heard, rather than where church has already been started by someone else. I have been following the plan spoken of in scriptures where it says, Those who have never been told about him will see, and those who have never heard about him will understand. In fact, my visit to you has been delayed so long because I have been preaching in these places. Paul says it's a sacrifice to go from city to city, town to town make new disciples, raise new believers, start churches, and then release that to leaders and go on to the next town and do it all over and over again. But my desire is not to build or steal sheep from another church and start a split, a church split. My desire is to go and win people who've never heard the gospel. And we have to be careful about not building on other people's work or taking credit for other people's work. And that's really, uh, it's a powerful truth. And then Paul goes on to talk talk about his travel plans. So I believe that Romans was written just on his way back to Jerusalem for the final trip to Jerusalem. He talks about, he wants to go to Spain. He's taking this gift from the Gentiles to the believers in Jerusalem. And that hopefully he'll have a chance to go see them in Rome again. And of course, he will come back to Rome, but it's not going to be as a free man. He's going to come as a man in chains. And so those travel plans get interrupted, so to speak. So we get to Romans 16, and this is the final chapter in the book of Romans. And we could call Romans 16, the Romans roll call, because Paul is naming names. He's naming the names of all the people that he's met in Rome, all the people that were a part of his ministry, all the people that he knew. And let me just read this, he says, uh it, what it says in my study Bible here it says a Roman A Roman roll call roll call, Romans 16, 1 through 23. Romans is often viewed as Paul's most powerful theological essay. But this document was originally a letter to the Christian community in Rome, and Paul spends the last chapter sending personal greetings. Many of the people Paul mentions are women. First, there's Phoebe, who is described as a deacon. Phoebe probably supported Paul financially. Being, uh, helping fund his many lengthy missionary journeys. Next come Priscilla and Aquila from Acts 18. The wife's name was listed first. This couple risked their lives for Paul, and he was thankful for their dedication in, from Romans 16. And then, then Paul also greets a woman named Mary, followed by Junia, who Paul says is highly respected amongst the apostles, along with a man named Adrenaikas. And then on and on, Paul goes on thanking women such as Trifenia, Tryphosa, Persis, and the mother of Rufus, and then Julia, and an unnamed sister of Nereus. What's interesting about Paul's Roman roll call is that it shows how important women were in the life of the early church. At a time when men dominated culture, the most institutions observed strict gender roles, the church welcomed women's gifts. See, it was Jesus, actually, that elevated women in the culture. Every every pagan culture, even the Jewish culture, uh, women were treated more like property than anything else. They they weren't allowed to go to school. They weren't allowed to learn to read. They they were just treated as uh, one more thing in your stable of things that you owned. And and Jesus elevated women uh, in ministry. And the church, Paul certainly does this here in this Roman roll call and there are many women business women that were 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 funding the ministry of jesus the ministry of paul the the role of women in the early church can cannot be overstated and so he's greeting his friends here and this brings me to step number three on our journey here of our personal walk with jesus step number three is this loving it's love brings unity to the church See, when there's genuine love, when there's genuine affection for the people that you go to church with, that you serve with, that you worship with, that you've invested your life with, that you've gone on mission with, that you've risked with, that you've done ministry alongside, those are the kind of people that become the deepest friendships that you can probably possibly have. And Jesus said the same thing about the disciples when his, his uh, biological mother and biological brothers came to visit him in a house. He was teaching with his disciples and they said, hey, your mom and your brothers are here. And he's like, who's my mother? Who are my brothers? These here in the house, you guys, you are my, bro- my mother and sister and, and brothers. Those of you who listen to my words and obey them. In other words, there's a deep soulish connection for those of us who are connected spiritually. So love brings unity. And then Paul gives some final instructions. He says, now I make one more appeal, my dear brothers and sisters, watch out for people who will cause divisions and and upset people's faith by teaching things contrary to what what you have been taught. Stay away from them. Such people are not serving Christ our Lord, they are serving their own personal interests. By smooth talk and glowing words, they deceive innocent people. But everyone knows that you are obedient to the Lord. This makes me very happy. And I want you to be wise in doing right and to stay innocent of any wrong. The Lord of the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Boy, what a word of encouragement that Jesus is with us incarnationally when we serve in ministry together when we worship together when we do life together when we're living in community together as a church, even when we do it online, this way, when we're on a social media platform and sharing the Word of God and we're talking about the Lord, it's kind of like the Roman's road. Wherever the Roman road was is where the the apostles traveled and the ministry of Christ went forward and the message of the gospel traveled. This message is traveling on Facebook and YouTube and Periscope Twitter and Instagram and all these various platforms right now, it's traveling over the networks as people have a chance to hear the Word of God, to listen to it, to obey it, and to live according to it. That brings me to the end of the book of Romans, in the beginning of the book of 1st Corinthians. Now, Corinth was a Greek city under Roman rule where Paul had planted a church. He started a church there, and of course he was writing 1st Corinthians as a, as a letter of encouragement to the church in Corinth. And what's this book about? Well, Paul writes it to a good but problematic church that needs help on about a half a dozen issues. I'm gonna give you a quick overview of what we're gonna be studying over the next few weeks as we go through 1st and 2nd Corinthians. Paul wrote it around 55 AD, and it's near the end of his three-year stay at Ephesus, so still in Macedonia, in that Mediterranean area. Here's the breakdown. Chapters one through four of 1st Corinthians, he deals with divisions in the church you know churches can split they can split and argue over stupid things or silly things or trivial things Sometimes they split over important things but divisions in the church are very dangerous especially when it's personality driven so we'll talk about that in a minute then chapters 5 and 6 he talks about avoiding immorality and, and lawsuits amongst believers chapter 7 uh, there are questions about marriage chapters 8 through 10 was freedom and responsibility Chapter 11 was worship and communion. Chapters 12 through 14 is about spiritual gifts and the special place of love. Chapter 15, he deals with the resurrection of all believers. And chapter 16, he gives more personal notes to the church in Corinth. And there's so many great passages worth memorizing. We'll cover that in the, in, this, in the study in the weeks ahead. But there's also a masculine perspective that Paul begins to write about here. He's, he talks about heeding clear teaching. Paul gives clear, no-nonsense teaching about sexual immorality and marriage. He uses athletic examples. And he also steers us through the difficult tension between our freedom and our rights on the one hand, and our responsibility for other people on the other See, truly, if you're a Christian, it's not all about you. It's about Christ, and it's about others. And as you, he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. That's how this, that's how this whole thing works. And so in ministering to others, I get my needs met. And it's that divine economy, that heavenly, eternal economy of God. So step number four from Corinthians chapter one is this, be ordinary. And let God be extraordinary. Say that again. Be ordinary, but let God be extraordinary. Here's what Paul says, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus, from our brother Sosthenes. I'm writing to God's church in Corinth. To you have been called by God to be his own holy people, and he made you holy by means of Christ Jesus, just as he did for all people everywhere who call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. May God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. And he begins to thank God for the many gifts of the church and how God has worked in the church. And then he begins to deal with these divisions that I spoke of. He says this in verse 10 of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church, rather be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. For some members of Chloe's household have told me about your quarrels. My dear brothers and sisters, some of you are saying, I'm a follower of Paul, and others say I follow Apollos, and, or I follow Peter, or I follow only Christ. Well, aren't you holy? (laughs) Verse 13, Paul continues, Has Christ been divided into factions? Was I, Paul, crucified for you? Were any of you baptized in the name of Paul? Of course not. I thank God that I did not baptize any of you except for Crispus and Gaius, for no one can say that they were baptized in my name. Paul says, don't follow personalities. Follow the Savior. Follow the Gospel. Follow God. Follow the Word. But don't don't click up on teams. And it's such a human tendency, isn't it? To, to, to latch ourselves on to someone that we like. We start to follow that person rather than following God. Or we, we follow their system. We, we read their book. Or we, we we get distracted by maybe their gifts or their talents or their abilities rather than being focused on the greatness and the goodness of Almighty God. It's, it's been happening in the church since the very beginning. And so Paul, in verse 18, begins to talk about the wisdom of God. He says, the message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. But we who are being saved, we know it's the very power of God. As the scriptures say, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. So where does that leave the philosophers and the scholars and the world's brilliant debaters? God has made the wisdom of this world look foolish. Since God in His own wisdom saw to it that the world would never know Him through human wisdom, He has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. It is foolish to be Jews who ask for signs from heaven, and it is foolish to be Greeks who seek human wisdom. So when we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended, and the Gentiles say it's all nonsense. But to those who call upon God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles. Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. This foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans, and God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength. Verse uh, 27, Instead, God chose things that the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise, and he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. Verse 30, God is united with Christ Jesus for our benefit, and God made him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy, and he has freed us from sin. Therefore, as the scriptures say, if you want to boast, boast only about the Lord. Step four, right? Be ordinary. Let God be extraordinary. Extraordinary. Because God is extraordinary. When we start allowing ourselves, our personalities, our person, personal preferences to get in the way, it blocks the way for many people to hear and to see and to experience the gospel. We have to be careful not to get in the way of the glory of God and let God's glory and light and love shine through us unfiltered, without all the sin issues, without all the opinions, without all, without all the politics, without all the personalities. Just be ordinary. And let God be extraordinary. Well, this brings me to step number five in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. This is my step. Step this is to pursue heaven's wisdom. Pursue heaven's wisdom, step five. Here's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2 the message of wisdom. When I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. For I decided, decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Christ Jesus, the one who was crucified. I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling, and my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so that you would not trust in human wisdom, but in the power of God. It says, the wisdom that we speak of is the mystery of God. This is verse 7. His plan was previously hidden, even though it was made for ultimate glory before the world began. But the rulers of this world have not understood it. If they had, they would not have crucified our glorious Lord. This is what the scriptures mean when they say, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. But it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit, for his spirit searches out everything and it shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know God's personal thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. We have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so we can know the wonderful things that God has truly given us. So, I love what C.S. Lewis says in this quote here. It says, A man can accept what Christ has done without knowing how it works. Indeed, he certainly won't know how it works until he has accepted it. Let me read that one more time. A man can accept what Christ has done without knowing how it works. Indeed, he certainly won't know how it works until he's accepted it. It's kind of like this. Until I actually rode in a Tesla, I didn't know what a self-driving car was like. I, I never had sat in a self-driving car and I actually sat behind the steering wheel as the car was driving itself. I, I, I don't know how that works. I don't know how the machinery and the software and everything with the satellites works to keep the car on the road and, and take an exit and go into the parking lot. I don't know how that works. But I certainly won't experience how it works until I've accepted the fact that it does work and I sit in the driver's seat and let the self-driving car drive. Does that make sense? That's how it does with, with Jesus. If you have to understand God before you'll accept God, you'll never accept God because you're playing God. You're, pretend, you're waiting so you can fully understand something that you will never fully understand. And that's a powerful idea. And so here's what Paul says in closing, and I'll wrap it up here. In verse 16 of Roman of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he says, For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach Him? But we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are headed for destruction. But for those of us who are being saved, it's the very power of God. Well, maybe you've heard this message or you've heard this study tonight and you're like, I don't, I don't think I even know God. I don't, I don't think I've started the relationship. Well, maybe you've never heard the gospel. The gospel. G-O-S-P-E-L. G. God created us to be with him. O. Our sins separate us from God. S. Sins cannot be paid for by doing good deeds. P. Paying the price for my sin, Jesus died and rose again. E. Everyone who trusts in Christ can have eternal life. And L. Life eternal begins the moment I accept Christ and lasts for all eternity. You know maybe you're ready maybe you're ready to say yes to christ and begin this journey on the road of walking in a personal walk with jesus every day are you ready to do that if you are will you just pause what you're doing if you're busy around the house or you're taking a walk or no matter what you're doing will you just make a holy space or a holy moment here for a minute and just pray this prayer to accept christ say dear jesus i'm sorry for my sin Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I believe God raised you from the dead, according to the scriptures. Please come into my heart. I want you to be my Savior and to be my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you for watching the teaching tonight. There'll be some information here to follow about how to support and partner with the ministry. God bless you. Hope you enjoyed the study. We'll pick up next
1: week with 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Thank you so much for tuning in today to the Ministry of Summit Church and the daily outreach of Wayne Hansen. You can support our ministry in many ways. Click the Donate button on our Facebook page, Summit Church of Castle Rock. Visit our webpage, mysummitchurch.com and click the online giving link. Or mail your donation to Summit Church of Castle Rock, 200 South Wilcox Street, Box 243, Castle Rock, Colorado, 80104. Or, finally, text your gift to 303-625-9434 and follow the prompts using your smartphone. You can also support us by connecting with our online community. Comment, like, share, follow, and subscribe on our various social media channels. Of course, we appreciate you joining us in daily prayer. I'm Sean Rima and on behalf of Pastor Wayne and the Summit Church family, take care and have a great week. Remember... God loves you, and he has a wonderful plan for your life.